the Sports Machine with Slim, Vacation Edition. I love it. Good morning, everybody. Thursday. And I got something to tell y'all about. We're going to start the day out with something a little bit different today. About 9.10 this morning. So just under an hour ago, my family and I hopped in the car and took a ride down the road. I'd say it took us seven minutes to get there. Seven minutes back. Those 45 some odd minutes in between, we enjoyed breakfast at the Waffle House. For the first time in my life, I went to Waffle House. Andrew, I'm questioning you right now. Have you ever been to a Waffle House? I have been to more Waffle Houses than I care to admit. More than you care to admit. So what's your opinion then on Waffle House? I have to say it in the most G-rated way possible, but um, if you, if you, how do you describe Waffle House? It's the only place you can basically get a stack of waffles for a nickel. Um, They're open 24 hours, and I've never been to one in the evening that didn't weird me out. I've never been to one in the evening at all. Daytime is fine. The daytime is fine. I've never had an issue during the day, but the the nighttime. Waffle House after dark is not a place I want to experience ever again in my life. And I'll is it, it at is that. it the is it the staff after hours or is it the customers it's after hours? A little of column A, a little of column B. <laughs> well, I went from the safety of a uh, nine a.m. breakfast just down the road from an elderly community, so it was uh, a laid back. Yeah, I felt very safe, and, and I, 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 the service was excellent. It was in and out, and I'll tell you what, my, uh, my youngest uh, kid, the five-year-old, he finished with his waffle, and they're, they're good-sized waffles. As soon as he was done, he didn't say please. He didn't say anything. He just said, more. <laughs> and because those waffles are awesome, Andrew. What's they, the opinion they are, of, they of the waffles? They are pretty good. The waffles are good. I'm down with I the waffles. The waffles are pretty good. If you're calling yourself been, Waffle House, I would I would hope that the waffles are, are delicious. If not, then then you probably need to think of some rebranding. Well, speaking of which, it's funny. At the end of the meal, I said, I would buy a Waffle House t-shirt. I really would. I'm a fan of this place right now. And the, the branding, the marketing, like the, the Waffle House logo is not anything uh, too extensive. No, I mean, I mean the sign does kind of look a little bit like a ransom note, but... Um, it, it definitely stands out. Uh, where I went to college, we had Waffle Houses on every street corner. They were everywhere in the Midwest. So. Oh, okay. So you, that was your late night hangout place then during the college years. I uh, I prefer to go to the twenty four hour IHOP, but yeah, occasionally we'd stumble into a Waffle House. I went to Denny's a lot. We used to go to Denny's in uh, Salem, New Hampshire, and play forty fives two, three in the morning. They they didn't care. They let us play cards in there, so that was our local hangout. But people love to play at the uh, hangout at the uh, the breakfast places. I'm learning something. Well, all right. I love the twenty four so hour diners. So, <laughs> and those are the breakfast ones, are the ones that are open. I suppose. There we go. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, I, I love that opinion. I might put you on the spot a little bit today as I go through my sports stuff. I think I could break off and do some different topics. So why don't we try and do that each of the four segments? Right now, I'll I'll start in on my sports rant. But to open up segment two, I got another topic I can uh, pick your brain on and see see what insight you can provide to the listening community. That sounds all right. Sure, sounds good. All right, well, let's fast forward to the NBA action from last night. And I had written down in my notebook yesterday, 
as I'm taking notes during the day to prepare for my show. The next day I said, dash LeBron on steroids, question mark. Kevin Garnett and Jason Whitlock. So those are two well-known people in the sporting community. Kevin Garnett, because he played for our beloved Boston Celtics and helped us win a championship here back in, I think it was 2000. What year was that? It's gone by so fast, I don't even know. But whatever, Kevin Garnett's a champion in my book. One of my favorite Celtics, Larry Bird, and then probably Kevin Garnett after that. But he, he put some news out there, I guess, yesterday in a podcast saying that LeBron is on some some kind of new juice. And I think he did it half-heartedly or half-lightly, part, part jesting, but I think, no, more so he was serious. And Jason Whitlock, who runs a big-time blog uh, and, and podcast now, jumped all over it, saying, hey, listen, this guy's 40 years old now. He looks like he's carved out of Mount Rushmore. He's in better shape than he ever was. And, you know, how do you think he gets like that? And it's funny, as, as uh, I'm hearing that's coming out yesterday, and it was a big news thing. I'm like, wait a second. I remember I did one of our, my podcasts back five years ago, and we had talked about this. Well, I was, like, talking with my brother Dave, saying, this seems pretty obvious. Like, come on, the guy is he's superhuman. How did he get like this? He never get injured. gets injured. He's so huge. And, like, it just seems like that could easily come out in the years ahead. Now, fast forward, it's like, oh, you know, maybe that's the case. But I'm putting question mark because I really have no idea. Nobody has any idea. And even if he is doing something, maybe he found something totally legal and totally, you know, uh, from nature. Like things that are found in nature, for the most part, should be legal anyway. So if somebody made them illegal, that's, you know, probably dumb humans making bad decisions. But here's the deal. Going into last night's game, I wish I was in New Hampshire. Because I'll tell you something, people. I would have bet our money, and we got, I think, $230 in the DraftKings account. I would have bet all 230 last night on the Lakers. You want to know why? Because when LeBron gets tested like that, he responds. That's just how it goes. All those years of criticism, he learned to take it while he was losing. Remember when he lost the Celtics like the first time way back when? And when they got eliminated, he didn't say shake anybody's hand. I think he took his jersey off and stormed right up the runway, which is fine. But, you know, he got hammered for that, but being like a sore sport. Um, and he's learned to deal with the criticisms by just up in his game. And that's what LeBron James did last night in the fourth quarter against the Los Angeles Clippers, a team led by Kawhi Leonard, who we all know is one of the best basketball players in the NBA. In fact, I've said here, I think on these airwaves that he probably still is the best basketball player in the NBA when he's healthy. And we'll find out in the playoffs about last night. The Lakers were down 19, sorry, 21 points in the fourth quarter. Lakers are down 21 in the fourth. LeBron James leads them back with 19 points scored in the fourth quarter. He finished the game with seven threes. Total, LeBron had 34 in the game. The Lakers take down the Clippers 116 to 112. And I just think that's an awesome story because, and I don't know if the, the, the mainstream media, they're not covering it yet. Like, I'm not seeing this on ESPN. I didn't see it anyway last night. I didn't see it this morning about the claim being made by Garnett and then being totally pumped on Twitter by Jason Whitlock. 
saying, you know, LeBron's on steroids, and even though uh, both guys have no proof to back it up, and and on my end, I could care less if it's true or not, honestly, but um, just because of what I said 10 years ago, it's like, hey, this guy's in such better shape, it just seems like that's probably a possibility, but whatever it is, the guy's a winner. LeBron James, 19 in the fourth to lead your team back from being down 21 points and against a Kyrie, uh, sorry, Kawhi Leonard led team with the Clippers that are currently the second choice to make it out of the uh, the West in the NBA. I looked at the odds this morning in preparation for the show. So everybody knows right now to come out of the West, the Denver Nuggets are your your leaders at plus 245 odds. The Clippers right behind them at plus 250. So the betting community is on the Clips. I mean, the Nuggets are the defending champs. <laughs> They've already done it. They they won it last year, and not for nothing, they won it pretty easily. They, I mean, they steamrolled through, and definitely in the finals, they were never at any risk of seriously losing that series last year against the Heat. Nuggets steamrolled. They're plus 245. The only guy they're missing, really, is what? Bruce Brown. I mean, he's a good player, but he's a role player. He's a six-man. So the Nuggets, everybody feels, hey, they're the main threat. You ask most people that follow the NBA, the Celtics are your lead lead contender, but we haven't done it before. We've been the the favorite before, and we choked. So I think a lot of people would tell you the Denver Nuggets are the best team in the NBA and the team they're probably most likely to win it all. Well, they're plus 245 odds. The Clippers are plus 250. I just said this. Like People think the Clippers are that good, and they beat up on the Celtics the last time they played. Los Angeles Lakers won the in-season tournament, and LeBron James last night doing LeBron James type thing. Just real cool for me to see. I'm, I'm now a converted LeBron James fan. I hated the dude after the first three, four, five years of his career because he is the anointed one. He got all the press and accolades, and he just kind of was. I thought he was a sore loser. And I said, that's, that was my thought. We're ready to transition into commercial break, Andrew? Oh, yeah. All right. Well, let's do it. I'm going to pick things up from here when we return on the Sports Machine with Slim WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester. I don't know what the dial is in uh, Clearwater, Florida, where I'm at, but I know you can find me on nhtalkradio.com. We'll be right back. You stuck around because we're back in the sports machine. There we go. Andrew, I got a question for you. As I said, uh, we'll lead off each segment with a little bit of a different topic and get your insight. Sure. Do you know, do you, let's take a guess, Andrew. Do you have any idea how much the cost or the price is of one Bitcoin at this very moment? Oh, my gosh. Um, nope. That answer may surprise you because, hold on. I know exactly what it is. I'm sure you do. I just I'm looked just during the commercial break. Ballparking. I don't know. I'm going to say like a five-digit number. Oh, we're definitely in five-digit okay. number. And uh, so everybody knows out there, I first started getting involved with WKXL Radio back on Jane's show 
art for a living. And I checked the other day, it was September 24th, I think, was the very first episode that was aired. And at that time, the price of Bitcoin was $24,000 for one. And I was on the show that day. We did a one-hour um, show overviewing cryptocurrency and my experience in it. And I told everybody what was going to be happening in the future about ETF applications for a, a spot Bitcoin ETF. And that means so that you can trade Bitcoin as the current prices. Nothing existed in the financial system prior to this. But now, in January, I said back then, it's very likely that the Security Exchange Commission is going to give the okay on these products. And after that happens, the run-up in price is going to take place. Well, Bitcoin is up. One one Bitcoin, the price is up over $10,000 in the last week. It was just like $50,000 a week ago, Andrew. That sounds like something pretty crazy is going on, right? Um, I'd say so. Don't you think this is a topic that I think a lot of people don't know very much about? I find it very interesting. And what's happening is there's a mad rush going on right now with the biggest financial companies in the world to acquire Bitcoin so that they can sell it to their investment community. And what I saw yesterday, and that's the reason why, if you look at the price of Bitcoin, it's jumping up like 3000 4000 5000 almost every day in the last two to three days. The reason why is these big financial companies are all coming in and buying Bitcoin so they can have it in order to be able to sell their financial products to their customer base. And the, the these ETFs that are out there, they're generating the highest amount of trade volume of any ETFs in the history of finance. So every big financial company wants to get in on the game. So the question is, like, how high will Bitcoin go? Andrew, you have any guess on how high Bitcoin, or do you want to hear what my guess might be? Um, I'm going to say, you said it's like at what, 10000 10000 a it, share now? No, right, for one Bitcoin, the cost is $63,000. It's up to. I mean, and, and, how, and how, <laughs> how, how fast did that increase to that amount? It was 50000 last week. So last week, so if it, if it averages at ten grand a week, <laughs> and I'm not saying that it's going to, it could easily go for the next week. We'll or call so. it a hypothetical. So, like best case scenario, it it, it ups ten grand a week. I mean, yeah, you could be looking at a hundred thousand dollars a share. It's it's very possible. Now, I will say on the downside for the listening community, I was predicting that Bitcoin was going to be a thousand, a hundred thousand dollars for one. Four years ago, and it turned out I was totally wrong. And then I was predicting it again about three years ago, and it turned out I was totally wrong. And what happens is in the Bitcoin community and the crypto community, these ideas flood across social media like crazy. Like what you're talking about right there, Andrew, where you're like, well, okay, if it's going up 10,000 and you just estimate, oh, well, hey, we could be at 100,000 within a month or something, right? What people will do is clip that, throw the clip on social media and be like, hey, WKXL Radio is predicting that Bitcoin is going to be at $100,000 by the end of the April. Hence why you got to use (laughs) phrases like hypothetically or like, you know, best case scenario. You, you, it's 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 an old sales term, but 
you always have to under promise and over deliver. So never promise anything because, you know, you say that and you, know, you could have a riot on your hands. Pretty much. Well, in, in, even for me, I feel bad when I give like bad advice, whether it's to make a bet. Like cause I've done this so many times. Like, hey, guys, this is a guarantee. You got to bet this team this game. They're going to win. And then people bet their money and the team loses. And I just feel horrible. I, I feel worse that I gave the advice out to somebody else than I even do for myself. I don't mind that I lose, but it's terrible when somebody else loses their money. And I've invested and had people and uh, given people advice to invest in certain coins that went down a bunch on my expectations that when Bitcoin goes up, every other coin goes up. So for people that don't know, Andrew, like, have you ever heard of the coin Doge? I have, yes. Dogecoin was invented a bunch of years back, and it was pretty much developed by some, some people who had you know, good computer skills, developers that could spin up the coin. They created it, and they did it just as a joke to be like, dude, Bitcoin doesn't really do anything. We're just going to make this other coin, and we'll call it Dogecoin, and it's just like a joke. But what's happened through time is so many people have been in on like you know the, the, the technology and the joke part of it that it stayed around, and it grew. And Dogecoin is now one of the top 10 most valuable coins as far as market cap goes. And Elon Musk has been a big fan of Dogecoin. So for people that don't know, Dogecoin today, in the last 24 hours, is up 30%. So like, And that's on top of it going up a bunch over the past couple of weeks. The, the reason why with Dogecoin is probably because it, it's, it's a joke and it's a crypto. And everything goes up when Bitcoin goes up. This is just the way the industry works. It's not so. How, and it's, it's so exciting for me to be able to talk about because I've been in it for seven years and I have a lot of it figured out. But what you don't know is how high is Bitcoin going? Like Andrew said, hey, yeah, okay, we could go. Okay, let's just take an educated guess. I don't really have any ideas. Hypothetical. But the fact is, it could drop $10,000 today. And it happened yesterday. And nobody is going to be talking about this anywhere on any radio shows. But it's part of the reason why I say the whole thing is so manipulated. Yesterday, at a point during the day, there was a huge issue with Coinbase. Andrew, have you heard anything uh, about that? Did you hear anything in any news sources or anything yesterday about an issue on Coinbase? No. So Coinbase is the largest exchange in the United States. And the exchange is just an online bank, essentially, that focuses in crypto. Well, yesterday, during the day, everything was going up not so. The price of Bitcoin had gone up like $4,000 during the day. Everything was running up because that's how this works. Well, at some point during the day, there was a, uh, like a, a flaw in the Coinbase software. So people that were loading into their accounts, logging into their accounts, saw that their balance was zero. And I'm talking if you had like a $500 balance in there, it was at zero. If you had millions of dollars in there, your balance is showing up and it's a zero. And so everybody started to panic. Like, oh, what? I have zero dollars in my account. What are you talking about? So that all goes online. Everybody starts sharing this on, on Twitter, and there's a mass panic. The price of Bitcoin sells off $2,800 in an hour. 
So because people don't know if there's something wrong, right? The, it's not just the insiders that trickles down to the little guys who are like, oh my God, dude, I was up, you know, I was up 100% on my money. Now zero. Uh, I can't get anybody. I can't talk to Coinbase. There's no number to call. And mass panic starts until things kind of play out. And you say, oh, wait a second. Okay, everything's fine. Everything was working just fine, except there was some glitch in the Coinbase software that caused your balance to read zero. Oh, it hasn't been lost. Everything's going to be fine. So then, oh, okay, now the price is back up to 63000 That's where it was at yesterday before this quote-unquote glitch happened. I think it was intentional. And this is what, again, you won't hear about the Coinbase story and, uh, online yesterday, even though this happened. That sounds like pretty big news, Andrew, don't you think? I mean, if, if that's something that you're following intensely, yeah, I'd say that's pretty big news. Exactly. If you started out with like 50 grand and all of a sudden your total's up to 200 grand on Coinbase and then you look and your account says zero. Yeah, yeah I would of, say that would cause a panic. <laughs> exactly. Like the moment of fear that you have in that, in that realization, like, oh my God, what is happening here? And it's, oh, okay, deep breath. And now everything's all fixed. But what happens during those moments that people don't understand is the leveraged trading that that takes place is is what kind of really resets everything. And that's when I say leverage trading, I mean if you've invested a thousand dollars, you can kind of multiply that thousand dollars with your bet. So that if the price of Bitcoin goes up, let's say you used a, a ten times leverage, you bet a thousand dollars. Okay, if it goes up. You're going to increase the amount it went up by 10 times. Interesting. If it goes, if it goes, I don't know if we're almost out of time for this segment. We are, yeah. We got the bum music playing right now. Okay. You know I love this stuff. This is WKXL Radio. <laughs> I'm going to transition out of crypto when we come back. I might talk a little bit more, but uh, you're listening on 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, New Hampshire Talk, radio.com, live on the scene from Clearwater, Florida. Y'all ready for some more? Because we're back with the sports machine with Slim. Yeah, and Andrew, I'm gonna finish up my crypto stuff, but before I do that, I wanna I made the, all these notes in my notebook in preparation for today's show. With the transition piece, I, I wanted to ask you a question. Um, Caleb Williams is a football player for University of Southern California. He's expected to be the number one pick in the NFL draft. He uh, transferred over from. Oklahoma University a couple of years ago, so he's been at USC now for two years. Let me ask you a question, and I know Andrew's been on the, the line before saying he's not a, a big follower of sports out there, people. I know most of the people listening probably are, but Caleb Williams, in the last two years, Andrew, I saw online, is estimated to make X amount of dollars that, uh, that he's already made in the last two years while he was in college. This guy is, again, is predicted to be the number one pick in the draft coming up here for the NFL in a couple of months. Do you have a guess? I want to hear what your guess is, Andrew. How much do you think this college kid has made in the last two years through endorsements? Just in endorsements? Just in endorsements that he's been yeah. paid, like on the record, official amount of money. This is what is estimated, what yeah, I saw. I don't know if it's 100% We're talking true. just in college. 
while he's in college. Yeah, I'm not talking for future time. I'm just talking about what he's already made his last two years in college. What college does he play for? Southern California. Southern California. Hmm. Caleb Williams. I'll tell you the number. $10 million. That's insane. While he's been in college. You, before, as a college athlete, you couldn't get paid anything. This is up until like maybe four years ago. And now there's all, so many changes to college in all sports. Like all college athletes now can get paid tons of money. This kid, while he's been in college, has made $10 million. And for me, I just go, wait a second. Caleb Williams, two years ago, was definitely the best player in the country. He won the Heisman Trophy. Then he came back. He's in school last year, and he wasn't as good. He definitely was not as good. And I scratched my hand to be like, well, wait, how'd you get worse from one year to the next? Guess what? $10 million might do that to you. Well, now he's going to be going into the NFL, and he's going to get a lot more than $10 million over the next two years. And I'm just here to say, as I have since we've been on the air, the number one pick in the draft this year should be Jaden Daniels from LSU, who's the Heisman Trophy winner from this year. And a little interesting tidbit I want people to know. I have a $50 ticket through DraftKings on Jaden Daniels to be the number one pick. I bet that when he was 75 to 1, $50 I had him. I thought I had 100, but it was 50. He's now down to 8 to 1. He was 15-1 last week. He's down to 8-1 to this week. This is the combine week for college football where all the kids are going, doing their workouts and stuff like that, doing meetings with teams. Jaden Daniels and Caleb Williams, both of them are not going to be working out. They're both going to wait till their pro days to, to do their own individual workouts for teams where they can control everything instead of kind of going into the I don't know, the meat market or whatever it might be of, of the, the combine because they know, hey, they're going to get drafted and they're going to do it early. They don't want to have a bad day and maybe their draft position stops or position drops and then they cost themselves millions of dollars. So they're going to wait to do the workouts on their day. But I'm just saying, it's interesting. Jaden Daniels now down to 8-1. to one. Somebody out there might be listening to what the sports machine with Slim is putting out into the, uh, the airwaves to finish up on the Bitcoin piece just talking about the leverage, just so everybody can understand a little bit about what's going on. When that price dropped yesterday, the 2800 imagine if you had just put in money and made a trade that you were going to bet that the price of Bitcoin was going to go up because it's been going up for three to four days. I just told you it was 50000 last week, and now yesterday it got up to 63000 So you're looking at this going, dude, how high can it go? I'm going to put in a leveraged trade and open it up and just ride the wave up, okay? Well, lots of people have done that. So lots of people were making tons of money. When that news came out yesterday with Coinbase, when your balances showed zero in your accounts, everybody then rushed to the trading platform to close out their leveraged trades. And that is partly why the price dropped so quickly. Can you imagine this? Like, and you had orders in there at all different amounts. Everybody rushed in to close out the orders. That's intentional so that things can bottom out. You close out all those leveraged trades that everybody was making so much going up. Maybe even some of those people lost all their trades. Then 
boom, now it starts over fresh again. This is how they clear out the leverage from the system. And nobody's talking about it on the mainstream media because nobody has been into it for as long as I have, and nobody understands it. This stuff, and I mean, this is, I have no facts to back this up. I don't know that it was intentional. How does Coinbase software just show that you have a zero balance? How does that just come out of nowhere? In the middle of an epic bull run and price increase that's happening right now, it's not so. Everything's going up. Everybody knows it's going to continue to go up because the big financial industries are all putting money into it. You have companies like Goldman Sachs, I wrote down here, is like they're going to be applying for one of these ETFs. They weren't in already. They're applying for one. There's another big financial company, too. I didn't write it down. Is applying. When they get granted... The, the approval, they're going to have to go and buy Bitcoin to be able to sell to their investors. Well, you, that's what the ETF is. The legal piece of this is the government said, if you're going to run these, these products, the financial institutions have to own the Bitcoin. You can't just like do it on margin. You have to actually physically acquire the Bitcoin for people to be able to trade in and out. That's going on like madness right now. And... So that's why the price of Bitcoin is going up, because all the big financials are all buying it. And they have to buy it because they have to be involved with these ETFs that are all the biggest producers of all time, historically traded. If you just look, you can Google this over the last week or two. The volumes that these products are doing for each of these different companies are flying. That's why you got a, a, a Goldman Sachs going, dude, we got to get in on this. We can't have our investors are going to come to us and be like, dude, how do you not have this product? What are you doing? Everybody's making a t- of money. Well, when you see it's guaranteed the price of Bitcoin's going up, that's when you got to do something to slow it down. And a zero balance in people's Coinbase accounts, that slows it down. So whether, you know, I don't know who orchestrated it, whether it was an attack, you know, a hack, something like that, somebody done that on purpose. And nobody else is willing to say it, but I am because I've been around and I know how this stuff works. So how else, what else do I know works? College basketball, people. Did I tell you or did I not tell you over the last couple of weeks, Dalton Connect is the best player in college basketball? Well, last night, this dude has 39 points to lead Tennessee, who's my pick to win it all, number four team in the country currently. They beat Auburn last night. Auburn was number 11, Tennessee number four, both teams in the SEC. What I'll tell you is, with about 12 minutes left, the score was Auburn winning by eight points at Tennessee. Tennessee had had the lead at halftime. They got opened, opened the lead up at the beginning of the second half, and then Auburn just went on a run. Tennessee was struggling. Dalton Connect comes back in the game. 12 minutes to go. He proceeds to outscore Auburn 25-21. to 21. Over the last 12 minutes of the game, this one player outscored the entire Auburn team over the last 12 minutes. This kid's unbelievable. He can shoot it from three and drain. He can take it to the rim and dunk. He's got a nice floater. His free throw stroke is absolutely perfect. I said last week, and I'm not trying to go over the top here with comparisons and stuff like that, but this guy reminds me of Larry Bird. If you don't know who Dalton Connect is, you need to watch Tennessee play basketball. And over the next week and a half, they got three more games in the regular season. So we're getting close to tournament time, people. It's March. 
That's why I want to be talking more college basketball. I also want to be talking Bruins hockey because tonight we play the Las Vegas Knights, and I got a nice preview with stats that I'm going to talk about here in segment four. So make sure you stay tuned. You want to hear some Bruins stuff. I did some serious work last night to put into the numbers to get ready for this. Bruins are favored 155 to make 100 tonight, which is strange because the Vegas Knights are your defending champs. The Bruins have been kind of struggling, haven't we? Seven games in a row went into overtime. Is that the right number? But uh, Vegas just ended Toronto's, what was it, seven-game winning streak on Tuesday night. Toronto had won seven games in a row. They played Vegas. Vegas beat them on Tuesday. So now Vegas coming in to play the Bruins tonight. Look out. But I got some stats. You know I'm ever the uh, Bruins optimist. Tennessee basketball. Just oh. I just wanted to give the little preview. Oh, for segment sure. Four there for people. But uh, college basketball. Rick Barnes is oh. the head coach of Tennessee. What do you think, in, Andrew? I think I think that's great, but we're going to have to hold that thought. Let's do it as I wrap us up. We'll finish this up here in segment number four. You're listening to WKXL Radio, live and direct from Clearwater, Florida. This is the Sports Machine with Slim, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, New Hampshire, talkradio.com. Y'all stuck around because here we are, fourth segment. Sports machine. Andrew, I wasn't sure what I was going to do to open up this fourth segment. So I looked online and I found an article. I'm going to tee up and, and then I'm going to go radio silent for a second and let you give your opinion, okay? I will do my best. Here's what we got headline from CNBC Humanoid robot startup. Figure AI valued at $2.6 billion as Bezos, OpenAI, and NVIDIA joined funding. Figure AI raised $675 million from investors including Jeff Bezos, NVIDIA, Amazon, Microsoft, and OpenAI. Founded in 2022, Figure AI has developed a general-purpose robot called Figure 01 that looks and moves like a human. What do you have to say to this, Andrew? Oh my goodness. Um, I don't need, where do I start? Uh, <laughs> we have an entire <laughs> series of movies in science fiction explaining why this is a terrible idea. Um, I mean, I'm looking at them right now and uh, they're cool. They, they it's look very cool. cool looking. Um, but with AI, I mean, at what point do these things become self-aware and realize that they don't want to work for us anymore? Like, I, I would think it doesn't matter how high the stock is. I feel like the stock's going to plummet if one of these things goes haywire. In time, and not for nothing, the article goes on, Andrew, to say something about that these robots can perform jobs that are dangerous or that, like, humans don't want to do. And I would just ask you, well, what happens when we say, okay, we want these robots to be the police people in cities where that are dangerous, that you know other policemen don't want to go in? Oh, I mean, that's that's just a massive red flag. I wouldn't want to hand one of these things a gun. Um, that just that just seems terrible. <laughs> uh, doesn't it? I mean, it just seems so obvious to us. But guess what? We're just regular people. We're not Jeff Bezos 
NVIDIA and these companies with all this tons of money that apparently they think it's a good idea, so they must know better than us. Yeah, I, I'm watching their little video here of, you know, what these, I mean, I'm watching one of them fill up a Keurig right now. It's 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 interesting. <laughs> I, it's, <laughs> I mean, you don't like filling up the Keurig, right? I, so I don't mind that. I mean, if they're, fli- <laughs> if they're flipping burgers and stuff, like, it's cool, but if you want them to start operating our security and our police force, it just seems like a really bad idea. It just seems inevitable to me. I mean, like these things weren't even around 20 years ago. And now it's like, oh, we're going to introduce these to the general public. Well, for what purpose? I'm like, where does it stop? It's like, it it doesn't stop. It's going to be cheaper to buy one of these and let them do the human being's job. You know, that that costs X amount of money each year for the human being versus the one time maybe purchase of this uh, humanoid robot thing. I mean, our, our economy depends on people being able to work, not, not machines. So I would say if you want the economy to be booming, just, just allow people to continue working. <laughs> Bam. That was an excellent way to close that opening segment here for the, for the final 10 minutes of the show. Nice work, Andrew. Seems to make sense. I'm on board with you. How about this, everybody out there? Are you on board with me tonight trying to overcome the fear that exists? in all of your minds about how good this Boston Bruins team is. On Tuesday, we had Jane, guest guest host the show, talked about how, oh, this team, you know, they blow leads. There's obviously problems. We don't have the makeup. We can't go all the way. And I went back and forth a little bit and said, hey, listen, this Bruins team against the best 11 teams in the league, we've been fantastic. And and that's not just at the beginning of the year. This has been all the way through. I said in our last 10 games against those you know, combined 11 teams, our record, I think, was 8-2. and two. Well, guess what? Tonight we play Las Vegas. And for my money, Las Vegas is still going to be the team to beat in the entire NHL. They were so good in the playoffs last year. You know they're going to be able to gear it up again come playoff time this year. And they want to play the Bruins. Of course they do. The Bruins, more importantly... We want to play Las Vegas tonight. We know we've been struggling. As Thomas Polk said earlier in the week, hey, maybe been in our heads a little bit, especially when it comes down to, like, overtimes and shootouts. The Bruins just have been struggling a little bit lately. But to talk about the preparation and homework I did yesterday, on Tuesday's show with Jane, I said, okay, the Bruins have been overtime so many times this season. 22 times the Bruins have gone to overtime this year. And this is out of like 60 games, people. The Bruins are going to overtime at an insane rate. And while I was talking with Jane, I said, well, do you think in those games that we went to overtime, the majority of the time, were we the team that was behind in regulation and then we scored to tie it up? Or were we the team that was ahead and gave up the goal to, to allow it to be tied. I did the stats for us last night. And what it came back with, 12 times the Bruins have blown the lead out of 22 games. 10 times we were the team that came from behind and tied it up. 
I think why Jane thought it was flipped so much in the other direction, and she was right. I thought, honestly, I thought that it was going to be more that the Bruins had come back because I just know that they have a fighter's mentality. When they're down, I trust they're going to come back. I just believe in this team with that. I've seen them be gritty in certain games. So I thought actually out of the 22 that we had come back more often. I was incorrect. And then really it's been in the last six games here where we've gone to six games in a row in overtime. Four of those games we've given up the lead. So that's fresh in people's memory. Right, so which is why number one, if we had just tied one of those, if we had been the one that tied it up, actually we would have been split on the year. But like I said, we're blowing leads recently, and there were two games earlier in the regular season. One was against Tampa Bay, where we gave up a goal with four point eight seconds left in the game to go to overtime, and then it was like almost the very next night we gave up a goal with six seconds left to go to overtime against Toronto. So those two games, obviously, if you're a Bruins fan, you're, you're remembering that and be like, oh, dude, we give up leads way too much. Here's the deal. The Bruins play our best hockey against the best teams in the NHL. Tonight, we're welcoming one of those teams into the Boston Garden. We were on a four-game road, road trip we come back for this one home game, then we go back on the road for two more road games. So this is a game we've had off since Monday. We played Monday night, right? And then a couple nights off. Now we're coming fully rested. We're welcoming in a Las Vegas team who's the defending champs. The Bruins want this game. Are you afraid? Yes. I guarantee you, all you people listening, like, well, you can use whatever stats you want. I know if Jane's out there listening, she's saying, oh, yeah, the, the numbers, I don't believe in those. I believe in the eye test. But you tell me this. If the Bruins go, Bruins go out tonight and we beat Las Vegas in this game, what are you going to say to me? What are you going to say tomorrow? Because I'm going to say, look at our record against the best teams where we continue to win our biggest games. I don't care what the eye test in your eyes say. It, 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 you have to look at, does this team win the biggest games of the season? Well, I'm here to say tonight's game is going to tell us a lot. I'm a, and if we lose tonight, then maybe I'll be talking about it on Monday and saying, hey, maybe something's changed and the ruins aren't what I, I thought one game potentially could could do that because I think tonight's game is that important. And just as a side note for people that don't know, tomorrow there's an NBA playoff preview coming. It's the first of its kind here on the Sports Machine with Slim. I know it's way too early. We still got like a month and a half or two months of re- NBA regular season basketball, but the pistol and me do some back and forth coming tomorrow about what we think is going to happen in the NBA playoffs, who's going to be there, and what the big matchups will be, and ultimately who's going to be the champion. Uh, We both make our picks on the air tomorrow, so you can stay tuned for that on uh, Friday's episode of the Sports Machine with Slim. But today, tonight, it's Bruins time, baby. you got to watch this hockey game. If if you're listening to the show right now, I mean, this is not going to be a late night. The Bruins started, what is it, 7.30 tonight against Las Vegas? Put the TV on and watch a handful of these people. Watch David Pasternak, number 88, Charlie Coyle, Number 13, 
Watch, watch how they're controlling play and what they're doing out there. You got Charlie McAvoy, who's playing like an absolute stud right now on the defensive side of things. And it's really not just his defense. It's even more importantly, his offense, the way he can carry the puck into the zone. And he's, I mean, he's kind of a maestro right now, setting other people up. I'm a big Charlie, uh, Charlie uh, McAvoy fan now. Last year, I didn't notice it, but the more I watch this team, the more I'm excited. So... That's what I got for you. The Boston Bruins tonight play Las Vegas, who is four and six in their last ten. They're one and three in their last four. So I guess Vegas isn't playing all that hot. But they just beat Toronto. I told you who had won seven games in a row. Vegas wants to play in the big games. They're going to play against a team who's won seven in a row. Okay, Vegas wants to play, wants to win. Guess what? Cap it off, Bruins. That's it. The same way for the Bruins. Two teams both want the game tonight. Let's go get them. This is the Sports Machine with Slim coming to you live from Clearwater, Florida. Tomorrow we got the tape show. Monday we're back live. WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, NewHampshireTalkRadio.com. You know I love you. Let's get it.